One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Wood Talk, turning woodworkers into knitters since 2007. Here are your hosts, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. What's up, everybody? It's show number 530, and on today's show, we're talking about options for resawing a wide slab, smoking with project scraps, and straight, straight edges. Is it straight edges or straight edges? <laughs> are we talking about a tool or are we talking about wood? Stay tuned to find out. Ooh, burying the lead. I don't know, but smoking with project scraps sounds like a, that's like a special segment. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I'm smoking so, with yeah. project scraps. <laughs> Sounds good to me. It's a new segment in the show. We'll stoop dogs. talk about that all the time. I think it'd be good. <laughs> it's a science, man. All the different uh, species you can use, the flavor profiles, it's a whole thing. Get in my mouth. I'm on board. All right. Well, before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler's been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler's giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win, uh, what, by July 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. Do, 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 do. Is it me now? It's my turn. It's your turn right now. If you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. This time we're thanking Ben Morrill and Adria Clock. Clock. Cloquet? Cloquet. What's great about this is the music we use to do the live recording oh, yeah, is totally often oh, yeah. very different and timed very differently, which means <laughs> as bad as that singing was. I cannot was, wait to hear it completely <laughs> off tempo, <laughs> I completely off. Just, yeah, yeah you know. that's going to be great. Certainly, certainly a different key. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it definitely was already a different key to begin with. All right, all right. <laughs> I was, Good stuff. I wasn't going to music nerd on it, but I would say, Matt, you know, open your soft palate a little yeah. bit more. You get a little bit more resonance. A little there. pitchy dog. You've got good nasal going already. You've got that hard palate. Good. <laughs> I would just say open up the back of it. Oh, man. I could use with a little less uh, nasally action in my voice. I'm, I'm a little too Kermit the Frog most times. 
<laughs> do my best though. Um, okay. So what's on the dining table this is where we talk about something, you know, not totally on target with woodworking, but maybe sometimes adjacent to woodworking. And, uh, this has been on my mind lately, just thinking about my role in uh, the world of tool reviews and talking about reviews, uh, and tools, products that I use and really how that, uh, how I view that world, uh, has changed over time. What I, what I used to think, right, I'm just wishing you could say all this with the Kermit the Frog voice. It would be well, good. kind of already you know. there. So just natural talking about my <laughs> role in the world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just there's Mark sitting on a lily pad. <laughs> Why are there so many reviews yeah. about power tools? Um, I lost my place. Anyway, I have derailed you sufficiently. Yep, you did. Good was. job. Okay. So, um, my thoughts on this have evolved over time. I used to think like you get something for free from a company. That means that you don't have any emotional attachment to it because you didn't pay for it. Um, so that actually sets you up for success in a tool review. And I think that's changed for me personally over time. And I think what we're going to try to do with this is talk about from two different perspectives, not just as people who have made reviews on stuff in the past or discussed tools and products in the past, but also from the perspective of a buyer. We watch reviews, we buy products based on reviews sometimes, uh, and how we think, you know, the ethical practices or lack thereof, um, how that impacts our decisions. So this takes me all the way back, early days, you know, people like Chris Schwarz, excuse me, people from traditional uh, publications, traditional, uh, writing and magazines. And he was always someone I really respected and thought his opinion on this was interesting because I didn't agree with it early on. And I think I agree with it now. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on the details of this, Shannon, you probably remember some of this too. Um, he would discuss how there's really no way you could fairly review a tool, uh, without any strings attached if you haven't paid for it yourself. And I, I disagreed with that because I felt like, Paying it for paying yourself is how you end up with the team mentality where people go watch uh -huh. reviews after they've bought a product because they just want someone to reinforce what they already thought <laughs> or they right. want to help reinforce the fact that they spent that money and damn it, this is going to be a good tool, whether it is or not. So I always thought like, yeah, you spend your own money. Now you're financially and emotionally invested in it. So you're not actually doing a good review. Um, yeah. I think but, Chris, it's stemmed out of like journalistic integrity. Yeah. Like trying to be non-biased. So, you know, I'm not being bought. In other words, right. I can't be bought. Um, that's where it came from. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm with you though. Cause I, I will vehemently defend something that I paid a bunch of money on just because of the fact that I don't want to go, damn it. I want <laughs> the wrong thing. <laughs> right. So the thing is though, for people who may be doing this periodically uh, to create content based on that, it can actually be pretty hard to buy your own tools all the time. So sometimes the only way we can do a tool review is if the company provides it uh, to us. And the, the real inherent problem with that is even if you say, I'm going to be completely unbiased here. They sent this to me. I've got no emotional attachment. I, I, it doesn't take much for a relationship with a company to be at risk if you start to say the wrong thing or you don't say it nicely enough. Uh, if you start to go down the path of being critical, you absolutely know that you are biting the hand that feeds you. And they, the company doesn't even have to say anything. You just have to, you realize that saying this thing may jeopardize your ability to get more of those products for testing in the future. So whether you intend there to be bias or you intend there to be something protecting the product, it may be there, and, and sometimes it may not even be what you say, it's how you say it. Uh, you can position potential pros and cons with the way that you word it so it doesn't sound quite as bad. You go like, well, I did say that negative thing, but the way I said it softened the blow. 
Whereas if you were completely, <laughs> truly unbiased and that feature sucks and you go in there and say, guys, got to tell you, this sucks. It's a very different vibe, a very different feel. So I also think downstream, um, you might remember this from the, the not, not that we want to get specific, but remember the miter gauge debacle. Um, oh, I do. <laughs> that, that went on. And um, <laughs> who was it? Stumpy that did. I can't remember which miter gauge it was, but he the had Harvey. like a pre pre-production model. Um, and, you know, the, they acknowledged there were some issues and he got like he got it fixed. You know, he was able. And to me, his customer service experience was not indicative of the average Joe's customer service experience. Right. Um, and, and that, I think, also taints things to a certain respect, because if a company's provided a tool and I've been in this, I do very few reviews because because of exactly what we're talking about. I just choose to sidestep the whole issue and say, screw it, I'm not doing them. Um, but there have been times when I've had tools sent to me and I'm, I have I can I can have a dialogue with mm -hmm. them after the fact, because I've got like the ear of, you know, in my case, in the boutique hand to a world, the guy, like yeah, the right. founder of the company, the guy who like created the tool. Um, I'm able to talk to him and get feedback and all that. And I'm able to uh, allay any concerns I have or address those. But like the average guy in like, say, in my hand tool school can't do that. They don't have his email or his phone number directly. Mm -hmm. And I think that severely skews the whole customer experience. Yeah, um, for sure. Regardless of your, your like your initial impressions of the tool, mm -hmm. um, because if you have spent money on it, you're willing to give them a chance to fix it. Right. right. Um, well, you're and, rooting for the product. <laughs> Every yeah, money's invested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So is it is it even possible, though, if the if the re person doing the review is not just having the product supplied to them, but also sponsored by that company or an associated company? Is there is there any universe where that is going to be a completely unbiased and ethical review? Uh, I can think of a couple of instances, um, and this is based upon me shopping lately. Um, a, if it's a shootout, like again, your miter gauge thing where you mm -hmm. reviewed like 10 or 12 different ones. Yeah. Um, now I think in those instances you bought all of them. I did. Um, but even then it wouldn't matter to me whether they were provided to you or you bought all of them because you showed here's this one. It does this well. It does this poorly. Here's this one. It does this well. It does this poorly because you're stacking them against one another. There's a lot of different data points. And this is right. what I think the magazines did. You know, fine woodworking always had 10 different miter gauges, 10 different hand planes. Well, maybe not hand planes, but <laughs> there aren't many, there aren't 10 different manufacturers <laughs> of them. There were three. Out there. Don't get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there was, there was multiple products. So that to me makes it unbiased, whether it's been bought you know, by, by whether you've been bought or you bought it, <laughs> um, that I think is acceptable. Yeah. And then ironically, the other way I think it's acceptable is the unboxing review. <laughs> like, oh, and, really? and, give me a second, because normally I hate those. If I'm watching you unbox it, nothing you tell me is going to be beneficial. Um, yeah. except the first impressions. Now, again, it depends on the product. You know, if it's a woodworking tool, you haven't actually used it. But if you if you unbox it and then like go through the setup, you know, go through the initial uses, that to me is going to be more honest because you have no preconceived notion. Um, it's the guy that spent six months with it that comes back and just reviews that one product. I have I'm less inclined to 
for lack of a better term, believe him or her, yeah. um, then, then the more organic I'm just seeing this. Um, now, and again, this depends upon the product. Woodworking is a little bit hard to do. And I think I would skew towards, I don't like the unboxing thing, but like, for instance, um, you know, in triathlon, buying, buying products alone, uh, buying new wheels or something for the bike, um, those initial impressions, those setup, those integrating into your routine type things. Um, I'm, I'd much rather at least just get a review of the features just so that I can tell like the difference between product yeah. A and product B. I don't at the want your points. opinion because I know that your opinion really means nothing when it comes to me. Like right. your experience is totally different than mine. So no matter what you like, I may not be looking for those things. But what I want is someone to say, here are seven things that this product has. Here are seven things this product has. And here's where they meet. That's what I'm looking for. And that I'm, I find to be much more honest. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. If that makes any sense whatsoever. No, it does. Um, so one of the things that happened with me evolving with my thought on this is like we talked about, if you buy it, you do have some kind of vested interest and bias. But the, the difference came when I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I can get just about any tool that I need to get for a review. If I wanted to, I could probably get it, but I'm also in a position where the business is now self-sufficient. I, if like the key element to the purchasing concept being completely unbiased is the fact that I can afford it. And that, that doesn't, I don't mean that to be from a pompous mm. perspective that no. I can spend mm. the money on this tool and it's not hurting me in the sense of like, I took that money from my mortgage payment, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it, this is not something I had to save up for six months to buy. I bought it no, I in a very tax deduction. Yeah. <laughs> I, I basically bought it in a very like cold sort of way, a detached sort of way. I'm buying it specifically for the review. And then when it's done, I'm either going to sell it, you know, and just get a little bit of my investment back or just count on the fact that the content that I make from this thing will earn me the money back to justify buying 12 friggin' miter gauges, right? <laughs> but I had no emotion tied into those purchases. And that is a state of mind that most people can't get to easily. Like you really need to have your business surrounding this process that you can just go and spend hundreds of dollars on tools and not feel like, oh man, I hope these work. Like you're not really counting on it. You're just saying, yeah, I'm doing this for the review. And it's not hurting me financially. Most people don't, don't have that luxury. I mean, even people making content these days, a lot of them don't have that luxury either. So it was the only time that the purchasing for yourself to me became the, the closest you can get. And I don't think there's ever any such thing as truly unbiased reviews, but the closest you can get to an unbiased review. And that's kind of what I'm trying to, to focus on these days is in a, um, almost apathetic toward the purchase itself. So that right. I could just simply. Well, and, and also you didn't have a need. Like you did this purely to create content. You, well, no, actually, you had a miter gauge. The problem is a lot of times the, the genesis of the test is because I need to find out which one I want. And I <laughs> did want to get a new miter gauge. And that led shopping. to, yeah, I went to like, well, let me buy two or three. I'll compare them, maybe do a little video. And that turned out. So let me buy all of them and do a video. <laughs> so actually there was a need, but it, but it wasn't like a pressing need because I wasn't getting work done. It was because I was tired of the inker that I had and I wanted to see if the Jessam or well, the Jessam turned out to be the one that I kept. Uh, but I wanted to see if there were any others on the market that would make me a little bit happier. And that was the reason why I started the whole thing. All right. But that's very well, different than a new worker who doesn't have one and needs one. I already had one. Yeah. Well, then it, it is frustrating because you can't afford to buy two and try them out. Right. Um, no one can. Let alone I mean, three or 12. Right. You've got to buy that one and you got to be stuck with it, which leads me back to my whole, like, I just want to know the features. Like, tell me the difference. Um, I, I really don't care 
about your conclusions. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, need, I need a place to, to like, I mean, and granted, you could do all this. And that's really where magazines were great, you know, because black and white in print right there, yeah, bullet points. Nice spreadsheets and comparison data. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't care what you say. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, we haven't heard from you much. Um, I mean, have you done a lot of tool reviews? I, I don't really like doing tool reviews. Have you done any? Uh, the ones that, so the things that I do are more like product tours, I guess. Right. So yeah. there's no like pros or cons, like, like the same information you would get by reading the description on the website, but I'm right. saying it. That's so there, there's like no opinion side to the things that I've, I've done. It's just the facts. Here's what it does. Here's what it does. I mean, the yeah. problem with a lot of the reviews too, is like, it sounds like, oh, I love this thing. It's really great for me. Okay, great. But not everybody like works the same way or is interested in those the specific features or like a killer feature for me, which makes me love a certain tool is because of the way I work and mm -hmm. someone else has no interest in that feature anyway. And then it's not mm -hmm. a tool that they would even like because none of the other features are something they care about. Right. So th there's also that kind of thing too. So I, I don't know. I just, I just don't like it personally making those kind of videos. I never did. I never did either. And I've always done them because I brought up, you know, brought up in the world of woodworking magazines and reading the reviews there. It just felt like if you are making woodworking content and you want to spread things out a little bit, that's something you should probably do, you I mean, know, and, and they, so, they well, sometimes you can't do deny well. that they perform well. <laughs> that's the yeah, problem. That's the too. Thing. They can perform well. So it's, it's a logical thing for us to gravitate toward, but I never liked it either because it just feels like a, there's so much responsibility and especially as your audience grows, yeah, it is incredibly Someone's important. Someone's going to buy that thing and be pissed off because you said it was good. Yeah. And they didn't like it. Which And then on the whatever. other side of it, you say something right. bad, even if it's truthful, you say something bad about a company and then people are making rebuttal videos about it. Well, not, <laughs> yeah. not only that too, is like if you put that much negativity out, then the other companies you may want to work with that you actually like and are yeah. really confident with their products, they don't want to work with you because- <laughs> right you're just that a-hole guy yeah, who just, just skews, yeah. runs his mouth. You don't want to be you're that restaurant critic that can kill the entire yeah. store. <laughs> I think, right. I do think though, like the, the shootout kind of thing is the only thing I'd be comfortable with because then it gives you the opportunity to be like, okay, here's how a whole, a whole range of things compare against each other. Not mm -hmm. just like, I really like this one tool. This is why I like this one tool. Here's why I don't like this one tool. And that's it. At least with yeah. the shootout thing, you can see the pros and cons of each and you can, you can really compare things and give a little more context to the things you're trying to share about that product. Yeah. Like see, and, and that worked. Yeah. That worked in old media when we had three magazines, you know, a couple of magazines because manufacturers or, or the, the publisher could reach out to 20 manufacturers and say, you know what, we're going to highlight, let's just stick with miter gauges. And they all get the miter gauges in where that doesn't work now is this world of influencers. You know, now companies know that they can seek out one person who's got X number of followers and they can go to them directly. There's not, you know, 20 companies coming to to that one person. You can essentially buy an advertisement. Um, and that's I don't know that you can fix that the way the infrastructure is now. Um, citizen reporters and all that stuff. It just doesn't it almost doesn't work that way anymore. Mm. And, and truly, as a content creator, what idiot wants to take 12 of the same thing and do a review on them? My <laughs> God. 
That's I don't the know. type of person who writes multiple books. It's a sick, stupid. sick mind. Yeah. <laughs> very Demented sick. individual. A glutton for punishment. The, there is something really like once that's done, kind of like the books, I hated the process. It was grueling to do it. But then once it's done and I kind of looked at the thing that I put out there, I'm proud of it. I, I did a lot of work. It took a lot to do it, but it's as accurate as I could have made it. It was as fair as I could have made it. And in spite of what anyone else says, those were my observations and I'm not sponsored by anybody in that list of tool companies. Um, so when you have to pick, you know, who you trust and who you don't <laughs> like generally <laughs> follow the money and then make decisions based on that. Um, you know, so it, I don't know, this was just interesting to me because I think it's getting, it's getting kind of nuts. It's getting crazy. And I could tell you, there are things that are put across my plate that I have to make decisions on whether or not I want to do an ad, uh, or, or work with a company on. And it is becoming increasingly difficult to make sure that every one of these is a true endorsement. Uh, I don't want to take advertising from products and services that I don't either use or haven't used enough to generate a true opinion. I don't want to make a recommendation, but think about advertising and think about traditional endorsements like in the past, sports stars and, and uh, you know music stars and people who get these endorsement deals. Is there a second when you watch, take an old reference, you watch like Michael Jordan do an ad for a thing that you absolutely believe that he uses that insurance that he's doing the commercial for? Like, do you, do we give like Hollywood people a little more slack to simply endorse things because they're getting paid as opposed to, well, darn it. Like, is it an endorsement or is this an ad? Right. Right. I think the line is blurred though. In a lot of cases, you know, like when you look at that, that's very appropriate today because I get approached by people all the time saying, you know, I just want to send you one of my tools and get honest feedback. And a lot of times they'll say, you know, I don't, I'm not looking for a video or anything like that. I just want your feedback as a user. Um, and you know, then it's kind of like, well, and if you could like take an Instagram photo or something, you know, and, and, and honestly, as a content provider, I kind of want to say, Hey, look, I, you know, just got this new saw and I'm trying it out. That's good content. But then immediately people are like asking for, you know, your opinion, all this stuff. And, and that's things that I don't want to give or just taking, putting up an Instagram photo and having a tool in it is an implicit endorsement of that tool. There is a tool that I use. And like yeah. what you're saying, Mark, moreover, do you, whether you believe Michael Jordan uses that product or not, if you like Michael Jordan, you're probably going to buy that product, which is what they're <laughs> counting on. Yeah. And I know I do it. You like if and and certain celebrities that I like, all I you know I I love Paul Rudd, one of my favorite guys. If I see Paul Rudd doing something, I'm into it. Like I'm all over that. <laughs> Paul Rudd tracks I'm me up. I'm into it. <laughs> Paul Rudd is the best. He's one of my favorites too. I like yeah, that. Yeah. So fortunately, fortunately, you don't see him endorse much. But like Ryan Reynolds cracks me up. I've seriously thought about switching to Mint Mobile lately. Yeah. Because. <laughs> The commercials crack me up and I like yeah. the guy, you know, well, like if you, uh, if you're a fan of Peyton Manning, you are probably subscribed to a lot of services and spend a lot of money on stuff. Like, <laughs> does, but does, but yeah. do I believe for a second as he's telling me about this product? Do I believe for a second that this is truly something he believes in and that he's not just being paid to read lines and to make a paycheck? No, I don't. Right. I mean, this, that's an endorsement deal, but online with the kind of personas we put out there, I think the expectation is different. There's a little bit more of a personal element to it that people don't apply that same level of forgiveness to people who are talking about products online. Yeah. Interesting to think about. Okay. Mm. Well, not a whole lot more to say about that. You guys done? Yeah. Sure. Uh, <laughs> very unsatisfying conversation. Um, 
<laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> Why did I even bring this up? Speaking of ads. Oh, uh, well, you know where Peyton Manning doesn't shop? <laughs> Unless they paid him enough to uh, do a commercial about it, then oh, he does shop there. I, I hope they get him. I hope they can book that guy. <laughs> he looks like a kind of guy who might, like, you know, post football, get into uh, some woodworking just for fun. Maybe. Sure. I don't know. Why not? Could happen. All right. Well, Rockler wants to tell you about their store expansions. If you haven't been to a Rockler store lately, you might be missing out. Rockler has been expanding and remodeling many of its stores throughout the country. The latest stores opening in June include a new store in Morristown, New Jersey. Hey, Jersey. I remember that place. And a new store in Fairfax, Virginia. You'll find, uh, excuse me, extensive lumber selections, top power tools and accessories, dust collection, router tables, T-Track, hardware, and more. All stores also host a variety of classes for woodworkers of all skill levels. Visit rockler.com to find a store near you. And no matter which store you visit, you can count on Rockler for innovative products, expert advice, and great service. So go check them out, rockler.com. Thanks as always for being a sponsor of the show. You guys are great. We could, you know what's easy? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Here's one thing I didn't mention in our previous conversation. Sometimes you get lucky, and you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you, and a company just makes great products and can do no wrong, so you don't have to ever lie, and you just keep talking about how great they are, and they keep paying you money, and everybody's happy. That's what happens with Rockler. That's why it's so easy. Yay, Rockler. More than just T-Track. I don't know why I just always associate Rockler with T-Track, but they're more than just T-Track. This is the first place I bought T-Track from. It's a pretty blue. Beautiful blue T-Track. It's the only place I buy T-Track from. That's a valid point, and I believe that endorsement. Says the dual user. <laughs> so how much T-Track, T-track you buy again? <laughs> That's all we need is a poster of Shannon with a hand plane and his apron. T-Track? Like, this is the, the <laughs> only T-track. T-Track that I use. Oh, this one oh, stick please, right Rockler, here. Let me do that. Please, Rockler. See, and I think, I think actually we could get away with that because they yeah. know that the whole, it's all tongue-in-cheek anyway. Right, right. I think Have you seen my star knobs? They're beautiful. That's awesome. Rockler, I actually work in marketing. This is a brilliant idea. Do this. Do this. <laughs> there you go. Do this. All right. Who do we got first? Uh, okay. We've got a question from Dan. Dan says, I don't have a Mac Cremona bandsaw mill. I don't have a Rubo style frame saw. I do have a three plus inch thick slab of live edge walnut that is 24 ish inches wide by four ish feet long. The air dried slab is 10 years old, so I'm not too concerned about its moisture content. I've got a normal complement of tools for a hybrid workshop, and I'm not averse to going the hand tool route, generally speaking, but it sounds like a pain in the butt to take a normal handsaw to it. I'd like to keep it 
as close to full width as possible, as opposed to ripping it in half and resawing on a bandsaw with a 13 inch capacity, as there's some pretty grain I'd like to maintain. P.S. I could cut it with a circular saw around the perimeter, but there's still a hell of a lot of wood that's remaining. So thoughts on this? Um, well, <laughs> you're in one of these polarizing situations where you kind of got to choose one. Um, you And to me, going the power tool route is a much, much bigger move. Um, if you're going to resaw, first of all, how often do you need to resaw something that's that wide? Um, you know, you can, you could buy plans to build a Macromoda bandsaw mill and then like, that's going to change your life forever. And I I don't necessarily mean that in a good way. (laughs) You will forever be the guy who's sawing logs. And if that's the way you want to go, that's cool. But that's a massive investment, you know, um, of time, money, everything. It's going to transform like the type of woodworker you are. You're now the woodworker that mills is on lumber. Um, that's true. This is all very true. (laughs) Right. Or you could buy, well, first of all, 24 inches. Can you buy like a non-commercial grade bandsaw that has that kind of resaw capacity? I don't know. No. I don't think so. Um, (laughs) So, and and even if you could, it's probably going to be $8,000 to do that. On the low end. Yeah, right. It would be crappy. (laughs) It would be a crappy bandsaw at $8,000. So your other option is to go the hand tool route. Yes, it's going to suck. Do do I recommend going out and necessarily, you know, building a Rubo style frame saw? It certainly be a lot cheaper, but are you ever going to use it again? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but if this is this one project, um, use the circular saw, standard circular saw, seven and a quarter blade, right? So that's like two and a half inch depth of cut. So you're going to take five inches. If it's 24 inches, you know, make a cut all the way around. You're going to take five inches off. So let's just round up and say you've got now 20 inches of wood to have to hand saw that's going to suck. I'm not going to lie to you. If you've got a five point handsaw, it's going to suck, but it's not going to take you like a month to do it. It's going to take you probably if it's four feet long, it's probably going to take you like four hours. Now that would be taking time to stop and, you know, rest your arm and stuff like that. It's going to take a long time, but if it's one time, if it's the single project and, you know, obviously worth it for the grain or whatever is you're using this for, hopefully you're, you're using it as the focal point in the project, then it's really the only path, you know, other than transforming your life, becoming a Mac Cremona, <laughs> dropping, never know, go dropping full Cremona. tens of thousands of dollars, never go full Cremona. We've already established that. that. Yeah. Careful. But, but here's the other thing. Do you have a purpose for this slab? <laughs> he doesn't say he's building a project. Do you have a purpose? You know, I'd like to keep it this way. Do you have a point like, you know, do you actually need all 24 inches? Maybe you're going to build a table and it's actually only going to be 22 inches. Well, I know it's only two inches, but that's still going to make the resawing easier if you rip off two inches. So I highly urge you to figure out what you want to do with this. Don't just resaw it for the sake of resawing it, because you also may find that this table you're going to build is only 33 inches long. So you can you don't have to resaw the whole four ish feet of it. Figure out what you're going to build first. And oh, by the way, that moisture content, it don't mean nothing. When you resaw a slab that's three inches thick, I don't care if that board is 50 years old. It's going to move. There's a lot of moisture in the inside of that thick, you know, gooey center (laughs) that that is going to cause that thing to move. There's a lot of tension being released in a 22 foot wide board that's three inches thick. So. 
you need to be prepared to figure out what you're going to do with it. You need to have a plan for how you're going to control the movement, whether that be through, you know, stickering it and giving it time to adjust or whether that be joinery, like a sliding dovetail or C-channel. You need to be prepared <laughs> for that channel. stuff. If you're just resawing it for the sake of resawing it, you're probably going to end up creating some firewood if you're not careful. That was a lot more like wagging my finger than I intended it to be. <laughs> finger so, wagging. Away to go, Here we go. So never go full Cremona. Go handsaw. Trust okay. me. Okay. Cool handsaw. <laughs> All right, this is a fun question. Near and dear to my heart from Brad Quaid. He says, Quaid. All right. Um, <laughs> nice. Like that one? The well question done. is for Mark and Shannon. As <laughs> you <laughs> both. Sorry. Like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> He's thinking uh, of that little Jim Henson looking puppet crawling out of that dude's chest looking so fake. <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> Question is for Mark and Shannon, as you both have expertise on the topic, can I use a small scraps of cherry building a rectangular shaker style table uh, broken up and then soaked for barbecue smoking in my Weber kettle safe recommended meats can't think of any reason why not. But you guys got this subject covered from every angle, practical, technical and culinary. Nice. I love this question. So you can you can. And I think that the trick with smoking wood is the kiln dried stuff that we use in the shop is not ideal. I mean, it can be done. You could burn it at high temperatures just as like regular fuel. Uh, you'll probably get a little bit of extra smoke flavor from it. But if you're actually doing like true low and slow smoking uh, in those smoldering temperatures, the kiln dried stuff is is it's dry. And without that extra moisture in there, you just tend to get it burning a lot faster. So this is why he's suggesting to soak it. If you soak it, uh, you tend to slow that process down a little bit. Jury's out on that. Uh, there's a lot of people who used to soak all their wood chunks and now they don't. And then there's people who never did and now they do. Uh, barbecue is a lot like woodworking in that way. It just depends on your experience and, and what you've <laughs> observed in your own food. Um, what form so, you're on. <clears throat> but generally speaking, I think most people can agree that, you know, uh, splits and air dried like logs and cutoffs from, you know, larger uh, chunks of material are generally going to be better because it just contains a, a certain amount of moisture that's best for that smoking temperature where you get the cleanest kind of smoke. It's not acrid smoke. Uh, you're not burning it so fast that you're not even getting good smoke off of it. It's just burning. Uh, and I think that's what you're trying to do by introducing that moisture back, but it is not nearly as effective as if you went and actually got some smoking chunks of cherry wood and you were using those to smoke the food. So I do think it's possible, but I typically don't do that a lot. I have done it in the past uh, and I've also served a lot of pretty acrid barbecue in the past by not doing things correctly. Um, so I think if I'm really going all out, I want this food to taste the best that it can possibly taste. I'm actually going to get splits of whatever species is available and I want them to be you know, seasoned. You don't want them to be too wet. You don't want green wood. <laughs> but you don't necessarily want furniture grade dry material. You want something that naturally has a decent amount of moisture in it. And then you just get the, that's generally the sweet spot for smoke flavor. So totally safe. There's no safety issues as long as there's no finishes or uh, anything applied to the material that you're using. If it's raw, you're good to go soak it, try to get it to, you know, do that like smoldering smoking action, but don't expect that to taste quite as good as true uh, air dried splits that were chunked up. If that makes any it's sense. It's just kind of like cooking over an open flame. I mean, certainly forgetting the, the smoking and the low thing, but, you know, it's just firewood. It doesn't yeah. matter that it's cherry or fruit yeah. wood. The, the flavors and the essences, because kiln drying is gonna, going to leach all that stuff away. Yeah. I mean, kiln drying, first of all, drops it to such a low temperature that it, it kind of hardens and sets the sap and the resins. 
Plus, you're also injecting a huge amount of moisture in order to control the rate of, uh, you know, so that the, the wood doesn't case harden, in other words. Yeah. And, and the last stage in a dehumidification kiln is the injection of a lot of moisture to reverse the case hardening that naturally happens. It's called the reverse case hardening process. Um, that is like flushing out all of those things that make that that taste good. We call them <laughs> the reason we call them you, uh, yum yums. Yeah, exactly. That is <clears throat> flushing out all the yum yums. Yeah. So, you know, all those yum yums go down the drain. Right. Um, so you might as well just be using regular old firewood um, yeah. at that point. Yum-yums. Well, now let's assume that it didn't that it still had its yum yums and you're using like an air dried situation uh, w- with your chunks. There are definitely differences and you could find articles out there on barbecue websites about which wood species is good for the types of meat that you're cooking. Uh, generally speaking, if you are using cherry, <clears throat> cherry is all around pretty good. Uh, it's a fairly mild smoke. Uh, I've, I've used cherry for things like chicken, for pork, uh, for fish, even uh, more delicate flavored things that might be kind of nasty if they pull in too much smoke. Uh, the fruit woods, generally, you're going to find you're making some ribs. Heck yeah, use some cherry. No problem. Um, where it starts to get a little bit tricky is when you go the other way and use woods that are maybe a little bit more intense, your hickories, mesquites, uh, even, well, oak sometimes I, I find it, I actually find it to be pretty pleasant, but I think if you go too hard on mesquite and hickory, you tend to end up in, in territory that maybe that doesn't taste as good on fish or pork. Um, but that said, I've, I've had barbecue with all different types of woods. And if it's done without making really acrid smoke, generally speaking, it's going to be pretty all right. I don't think you have to get too nuts about it, uh, but definitely geek out on it. Do a couple, look at a couple of articles about that and you'll find different flavor profiles. Generally speaking, um, pair well with different types of, uh, meat, meat and fish hungry. Now, you know what shop scraps do make, they make great s'mores. So yeah, there's always sure. use for them. You don't have <laughs> yeah. to get rid of them. You could still, you could still burn them. You just make good s'mores. And hot I made, dogs. I was burning some soft, you know, cleaning up and stuff. I had some shop scraps, just domestics. And I put a little fire in the backyard, had it going, you know, for a good portion of the day. Cause I had a lot of tiny cutoffs and, uh, Mateo was like, I'm hungry, dad. And I said, all right, you want a hot dog? He said, yeah. And I got a little, little hot dog spit and he cooked it over the live fire like that. He was like, that was the best hot dog I've ever had just over the wood like that. It was pretty, pretty awesome. It's hard to make a hot dog taste bad, but it can taste bad. <laughs> well, anyway, there's a barbecue and hot dogs. Uh, what do you got, Matt? <laughs> Not a whole lot after that. That's for sure. <laughs> can't top barbecue baby uh, I, nope okay this is from david no desire to either <laughs> uh david Faust manufactured woodworking steel straight edges that are three thirty second and some are quarter inch should i be concerned about the thickness these are quite expensive i live in a humid environment with no ac in my garage should i buy aluminum or stainless steel instead or learn to make my own or and what would be your recommendation to do so? Mm. <laughs> this is so this this is an interesting question. So first off, uh, I, I look at this more like as a functionality of the straight edge because in reality, like this is woodworking. It's not machining. You're not building the spacecraft. Uh, so most of the straight edges you can buy, they're going to be straight enough for what you're trying to do with it. You know, checking your pieces for, you know, being flat and square or whatever, not square, but flat and straight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been looking at this more like the functionality. So I would prefer something a little wider that could actually be stood up on edge by itself. Like it's a precision instrument. So you probably shouldn't like 
like leave it on the side of the board and like walk away from it so it could fall off. But if you do, I prefer it to be less chance of falling off. So a little extra width, I think they can kind of help. It also makes it a little bit easier, I think, to be able to uh, like slide underneath it and look for lights. I think having a little bit more meat there is just more substantial. Um, and I, I personally, I have a stair. It's a um, ground steel um, straight edge. But I mean, I'm sure the aluminum ones are probably even better for like this environment where you don't have any AC in the garage and you're in a human place. So you don't want a piece of, you know, a precision steel instrument to rust. Um, so if you want to go stainless, you could do that. But I think aluminum is probably going to be cheaper at that point. And you can just buy, heck, just go buy an aluminum extrusion. That's probably even straight enough for, <laughs> right. you know, C what channel. we're trying to do here. Like, go buy some C-channel. Make sure you buy lots of C-channel. <laughs> That's the best. Use our use our uh, coupon code for C channel, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> you know what's funny about that? I get people sending me pay, like tables that they've done, and they point out the C channel, and I never know if they're doing it as a joke <laughs> or like throwing it in our faces after the episode, or, or it's it. completely unrelated. <laughs> no one listens to this show anyway, so I mean, I'm sure it's nothing. If they do, they certainly don't take it seriously. Yeah. Uh. I don't know, man. We were number one in uh, hobby uh, podcast charts a couple yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, we are. Yeah, my, you know what that? my mother-in-law couldn't believe that. She's right? like, wait, what? 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 Like more popular than like any hobby? And like, yeah, any hobby. She's like, then like knitting? Like, yeah, like the knitting. Of course. She actually said knitting. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> then that. Like, and like, oh, like car stuff? So, she, like, so yes. she's a fan. <laughs> and car stuff, yeah. It was. Yeah, I think this stuff changes all the time, but at least when we looked at it that one time, uh, Nick sent me a screenshot, that, uh, Nick that does our editing for the show, and uh, he goes, hey, look at this. I was like, oh, look at that, and look where fine woodworking is. I'm just, not, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, I observed it. There's no judgment. It's just, it's just <laughs> funny because it's like, I, I still feel like even though I've been doing this for so long, People are still like that, like they hear that, like, wait a second, you you, you do something that's like real. People actually like, listen. You're not to that like, garbage? Just playing around all all day. Like, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah, what? Uh, that's great. Oh, so anyway, I feel very validated. Thank you. You should. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Okay, are we done? Who makes a stainless steel straight edge? I don't know. I'm sure you could buy them. I'm <laughs> sure they got awful expensive. Uh, Lee Valley. They can paint it red. Uh, Woodpecker will. Let's see. Those are steel straight though. edges. It says steel, but is it stainless I steel? I don't know if they're, those are not stainless. Yeah. And those are like 24 inches is 66 bucks. So I'm just, I'm trying to figure out. I, I, I don't have come across a stainless version. Edge. Well, stainless is harder to machine. Mm-hmm. So it's going to yeah. cost you more to have it made anyway. And stainless is more than steel anyway, too. So you're probably, I mean, my steel one from Starrett was like $220, $250, somewhere in there. That's a four yeah. foot. And a lot of the stainless ones that I'm finding are more like rulers. Yeah. As opposed to yeah. what we're talking about here, like a thicker, um, you know, reference point. Yeah. Cause those are ground a, too. So I, I have a one inch thick Sapili brand straight edge. Very nice. <laughs> that works too. Or make your own. Well, Hey, Got good actually, figure. let's not forget that part of the question. If you want to address that Shannon, cause he's saying making one himself. So now me personally, knowing what I know of wood, the very last thing I'm going to make a straight edge out of and expect it to actually be useful is wood. But I know a lot of people do winding sticks and things like that. There, there are ways mm-hmm. to promote that I'm, thing staying I'm flat. I'm going to send you a piece of poly ash. That's the uh, deal. Well, that sounds great, but it's not wood. Exactly. It's not moving. 
it's not going anywhere. <laughs> I, I so, can tell you, I built this straight edge in 2011. Um, and I, I have one of those four foot long Veritas things. Mm -hmm. I bought it because somebody did a video about tuning up a joiner, like in <laughs> I don't know, 2000, 2008 or nine. So and I was like, oh, I got to have this to tune my joiner. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the funny thing is, is it's outlasted my joiner. I still have the straight edge, but I don't have the joiner. <laughs> nice. um, so the only the only thing I can really use a precision to check that Sapili straight edge is that Veritas like expensive four foot straight edge. And according to that, it's still dead flat. Um, so what is the magic? I mean, yes, it's a quarter sawn piece of Sapili, but the face is quarter sawn. So mm -hmm. not not the actual reference straight edge. That's not that would be the tangential plane so technically that should move more but the reality is it's it's a relatively small board yes it's it's not quite an inch thick it's probably seven eighths it's uh 40 inches long um at its widest it's maybe two and a half inches you know and it tapers down to the end so it's a relatively small board so here again thinking about wood movement in percentages um and consider the fact that it's got multiple coats of a film uh, like shellac on it. Basically, if I have shellac left over from a project, like in the cup, I, I finish stuff in my shop. <laughs> I finish right. like my straight edges and like my my cabinets and things just so I don't dump it out. So it's probably got like 20 coats of shellac on it over the years. <laughs> um, so again, the moisture exchange is slowed heavily. And to me, as far as I'm concerned, it's still dead flat. So oh, I, I don't do. have any problems with it. And, and absolutely, it. I can I can plane a board and get it as flat as that straight edge. Walk Good away enough. and come back tomorrow, and that board won't be that flat anymore. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I don't. It's, straight edges in woodworking almost are silly. So well, have you seen where? Uh, and usually it's in the context of winding sticks where they'll put, you know, just the very, the very tip where they're sighting down, and they want two different contrasting colors. So they'll inlay sort of a strip uh, at the very tip. Mm -hmm. Uh, is that ever done in, in the context of stability or is that simply for visibility? Visibility. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's such a small strip. I'd imagine like it's not influencing yeah. the straight edge much. Yeah. Although some people will specifically taper the winding stick with the idea that you're removing more wood in order to keep, you know, thin it out. So you've got less moisture exchange. Mm -hmm. It stays more stable because you've got a thinner piece. Mm, okay. um, also when you've got like a trapezoidal cross section, it's kind of, a little bit more stable that way. Okay. Um, but I also think that the, you can sight a little easier over a thin edge along the top, but no, as far as the contrast, it's purely, um, purely for, uh, the visibility yeah. of, of seeing the twist. Cool. Well, good deal. Cool. Sure. Great topic. We'll, right, we'll talk that's... about my, my thoughts on the unnecessariness of winding sticks in another episode. Oh, Oh, maybe uh, the next dining table episode will do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you guys will be into that. Well, you know, <laughs> like I have a bathroom break in the yeah, middle of the show. You could go, you can go make, make some, some snacks. <laughs> yeah, I'll go sort my barbecue woods <laughs> alphabetically. <laughs> alphabetically. <laughs> so that's going to do it for us. Uh, they're family owned since 1954. We're talking about Rockler. They're your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finished supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk. You can enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. 
That's a whole lot of T-Track people. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. And star knobs. <laughs> yeah. Get those too. So t- today, folks, we talked about reviews. And honestly, I want to know what you think. Um, send us send us your feedback. Send us your kickback. What what makes a good review for you? <laughs> what do you wish Please reviews review did? No, don't yes, review, review, no, review no. our review of reviews, please. <laughs> we, we, we would like a review of our review. Um, seriously, I'd be really curious to see, you know, because here we are content creators um, and probably jaded <laughs> content creators. Very much that. so, yeah. Um, so I would be really curious from a consumer perspective, from a consumer of reviews, what do you look for? What do you think about the current state of the market? Let us know. Um, Go to woodtalkshow.com, fill out a comment, go to send us an email, woodtalkshow at gmail.com. Um, we could use some more kickback on this show. You know, we yeah. want it, we want to hear Kick back. from you folks. And you can send questions in at the same time. But I am I'm seriously sincerely curious to see what people other than the three of us have to say about this. Well, and I'd also love to know how much of this, like how much plays into it where it's just a trust factor. Something about a person has a delivery or the way they talk or things they've said in the past that just makes you believe them. You know, like when your, your neighbor just gives you good advice and they recommend the lawnmower that you're looking at and you go, okay, and, you know, Jim usually knows what he's talking about. I'll just go with that brand instead of doing the work myself to figure it out. I'll just go with their recommendation. I wonder how much that plays into it too, right? Personality yeah. is such a big part of what we do. I would love to know if, if that's a factor when you're evaluating if you should believe something you're being told by somebody. It, it worked for future butters when it came to selling NFTs. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Good note to end on. All right. Well, hey. thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. See ya. <laughs> Got to support my fellow Colorado alums. There you go. Yay. Perfect. <sighs>